Welcome to another episode of Band Director Bootcamp, the podcast with productivity and wellness tips for busy band directors. I'm your host, Leslie Moffat, and I'm really grateful to be sharing this platform with you. As busy band directors, we know you don't have lots of time to watch lengthy professional development webinars, so we share 20-minute tidbits with takeaways you can use to support you in this awesome profession, but in a healthy way. And so with some actual hardcore productivity tips today, you guys grab your pencil and paper or wherever you take notes because you're not going to want to miss a beat today. We have Dr. Angela Ammerman with us. She's a music ed professor, author, clinician, conductor, and the host of the podcast, Music Ed Love. She's got a new book out. And so we're tapping her brain so that we can get a head start on this because what she's talking about is so critical to what we do. And she's going to talk to us through the lens of someone who has successfully built and retained students in music programs as she's built them from the ground up. And she's going to talk about how you can do that too. doesn't matter if you're in a small school, huge school, new teacher, been doing this for a while. Um, The unique approach in her book is going to have something for everybody. So, Dr. Angela Ammerman, welcome aboard and give us a little bit of your background and why are you a teacher, a music ed professor? Why do you care about this so much? Hi, Leslie. Oh my gosh, it's such an honor to be on your show. I'm just thrilled. And, you know, I got my start initially when I was super, super young. My mom was a piano teacher in our house. And so every, you know, weekday night, I would sit downstairs and I would teach my dolls to sing while she was teaching her kids to play piano. And my mom is one of the most engaging people you've ever met. She's basically Minnie Mouse in real life. And so I definitely got my engaging teaching style from her. And I knew from, you know, a very, very early age that I wanted to teach and to teach music. So I'm so grateful. And, you know, when I was teaching in the classroom, um, I taught for 11 years and during my 11th year, all these people kept coming in to observe me. And I was like, why is everybody coming to observe me? And um, I started having people from different states drop in. And that's when I really started to realize that, okay, I knew I had something special going on. And I realized it was really time to go ahead and do that PhD and uh, start teaching teachers. And so I've been doing that and it has been um, the coolest thing. I love it so much, but I miss teaching in the classroom desperately. So now I'm also teaching early childhood Um, In my own community, I teach little two, three and four year olds music with their parents. And it has been so eye opening for me. So I am a lifelong learner and I will never not teach children. I never want to be that professor who's out of touch. So I'm I'm very grateful to have that opportunity. And that's what I do here. Well, thank you for taking that opportunity, because I think that's so critical to, to have that understanding. A lot of us have gone to lots of professional development by somebody that retired 10 years ago. Sorry, but <laughs> hmm. so anyway, yeah, that's the important piece. So you really have, you, you get what we're, what's going on in the classrooms at all levels. I mean, cause you're working with, with teachers and pre-teachers and, and all of that. So that's why what you're bringing today, I think is so awesome. And, and basically we're going to talk about today, we're going to pull some stuff out of your book. We're going to ask you to share three tips um, for recruiting and reta- retaining students in a successful music program. And why this is important. And it seems like it'd be an awful lot of work, but if you do the work, I mean, what are the payoffs? So tell us, tell us why you've put so much of your life work into this um, and why it's so important. And then maybe we'll start talking through those three steps. I would love that. So I was teaching uh, years ago at two different schools uh, as a string teacher, an orchestra teacher, and I desperately wanted to be at one school. And I was like, well, how do I go about, you know, just being at one school? But because being at two schools was 
exhausting. And I, you know, I felt so much stress having to know everybody's names, having to know the different schedules, the different, there were even different times that you had to submit grades. So there were, you know, multiple calendars I had to keep track of. And I, you know, I know many teachers who teach at five schools. Can you even imagine my first year I actually taught at five schools? It was rough. Anyways. So I went on this journey to figure out how do I go to get to one school? And everybody said, build your program, build your program, build your program. Once you get to a certain number, each school system is different, but once you get to a certain number, then you can be full-time at one school. And then once you get that number, you have to keep that number. And that's the other key component to what I, what I'm excited about talking about with you and what I um, am thrilled to share with the world with our new book, because it's not enough to just build the program. We have to retain them. And what I saw once COVID hit, um, some of my dear, dear friends, like right after COVID, you know, one of my friends said to me, I, I don't even know what to do. He said, I feel like somebody came in with a wrecking ball and decimated my entire program. And I don't know how to build it back up. Um, and this teacher, unfortunately, was then de-staffed from his school. And um, de-staffed is a very kind way of saying, we don't need you here anymore. Um, it's essentially being fired without being fired. So uh, this fantastic teacher had to find a new position um, within the same county, because like I said, he wasn't fired truly, but he could no longer stay at that school because the program had shrunk so much. So um, at that point, like he and all of these other people started asking me, how did I build my own program years ago? And then I went from 30 to 120 at one of my schools. There was one middle school I was at where we went from 60 to 115 in the span of two years. Um, it was incredible. And, and, you know, so I was really excited to not only share my own experiences with recruitment and retention, but also to actually highlight the experiences and the advice of these incredible teachers from all over the country who've had success in extremely rural areas where with limited resources or very urban areas um, and low income versus, you know, very uh, privileged areas. So it's been really cool to kind of gather all of that advice and input and then watch um, right now like I think yesterday was the first day the book was off the press. So I'm really excited to see how people are responding to this, but there's such a need for recruitment and retention strategies that actually work and for different people and different environments. So I'm really thrilled to be able to share that with everyone. So it's interesting how your motivation being, you didn't want to have to travel between schools and look what that turned into and how many more kids you served as a result of that. Because, yeah, because all of a sudden now you've, brought so many more kids on board and that would might not have had a music ed at all. So let's, let's dig in. I've asked you to share three of your favorite tips with us today. So let's hear tip number one. Tip number one is a given. You already know this without a doubt. It is to be a highly engaging teacher. This is, there, there is nothing that will encourage somebody to join your class, like actually interacting with them. And I, I say this somewhat facetiously, but you all know this is true. Our teachers who kind of snub their nose up at students, um, which are very rare, I don't see this often, but nobody wants to be in that class. The teacher who's sitting there saying, okay, and now measure 122, let's do that again. Or the teacher who's working with the flutes for 50 minutes while everybody else is just waiting, 
I actually had a student at uh, George Mason University who told me um, as a, I think he's a clarinetist, he waited 50 minutes to actually get to play in one rehearsal. Um, these are the these are the issues with recruitment in general. Nobody wants to join a program where you're going to be bored. You have to be an engaging teacher and you cannot just be engaging within the classroom. This is outside in the community. This is in the hallway. As students are walking by, you need to engage the students, um, whether they're in your class or not, whether you think they're going to join or not, whether they've been in band before and they dropped or not. Those kids are actually prime recruits. They probably dropped because of a scheduling issue. Don't take it personally. So often we feel like a kid has dropped because they don't like us and we take it so personally. And then we never try to bring them back. Bring them back, recruit them. Um, and when you go to talk about recruitment, you you know, if whoever you're talking to, sing the praises of your program, share with them all of the goodness, but engage with them as a human too. find out who they are and what they could bring to your program, because that's the other component to engagement that we so often forget is the students have to be at the center. The other human being must participate. So when we're recruiting, it's not just about what can I do for you, but it's actually about how can you be part of what I have to offer? Um, and to a student, being part of something is, it's everything. It's everything. Um, every kid wants to be part of something great. So engage them in all the ways that you can engage them. Yeah, your energy when you're walking through the lunchroom has to be just as just what it is on that podium. Because and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's so true. All right, that was tip number one. All right, tell us another one. This is good, good stuff. Awesome. Tip number two um, is to go on a recruiting tour. You probably do this already, but it can't just be like a normal recruiting tour where you, the teacher, talk about the instruments. I actually want you to have your students talking about the instruments on this recruiting tour. I want you to go to every single school that might feed into your program and make sure that the students are talking about the instruments that they play um, in very short very short um, spurts, but then also if there are different languages that students are speaking, make sure every language is represented in your recruiting tour, even if it's just like a join us in five different languages. I, you know, you just, you need to make sure that what you're doing is relevant to your audience. The recruiting tour has to be fun and engaging and exciting. So when we used to go on recruiting tours, okay, this is really awful. I don't even know if I should share this. And I put this in the just book. Do it. I'll just do it. Okay. Thank you, Leslie. Okay. So, um, um, when after one of our recruiting tours, um, we we knew we'd crush the tour, but we're walking in the hallway, we're leaving, and this middle school kid goes, "Orchestra's my sexy bay," and I was like, oh, "What?" And I was mortified, and my students were like. Shut and they were losing their mind. And that became like the theme for the rest of the year. Leslie, all the kids were like, orchestra's my sexy bae. Um, And that actually was so funny as a high school orchestra director got other high school kids to join the next year, even though that wasn't a part of a high school tour. That was a middle schooler, a middle schooler saying that. But the recruiting tour has to be so fun. We put like war paint on. We played as string players. We played electric instruments. Um, we brought out like, uh, what are these? Um the colorful light string light things, you know, the glow, glow sticks. We had glow oh, sticks yeah, yeah. tour. And then, you know, really ask your students about what music the kids are into and make sure that's incorporated into that recruiting tour. It is so, so key. And you as the director should be like 
the very sideline organizing it. As much as you can put the students front and center, that's going to be the best thing. And the final thing about the recruiting tour is that make sure that there's interactivity that you are engaging with the students. You are not just pouring into empty vessels in your audience, that they are getting a chance to cheer on every single instrument, that they are getting a chance to actually like sense what it would be like to be in your program. Yeah. The overarching thing for all of this is engagement, how you engage with everything, everybody. But before we get to the final tip here, um, we're going to take just a second here. And I want to invite the listeners to take a minute to think about how you can put some of these practices we've been talking about on on the Band Director Bootcamp podcast into practice in your own life. Welcome, Band Director Bootcamp listeners. If you're feeling a bit burnt out and are ready for support and accountability partners in your wellness and productivity, we have an amazing opportunity for you. Join our 90-day virtual bootcamp, a community initiative designed for busy band directors like you who love their job but seek a more sustainable approach. We'll meet weekly, discuss your wellness goals, and develop strategies to help you achieve them. We'll tackle productivity hacks and fine-tuned systems for the upcoming school year. With 35 years of experience, I've got some tricks and tips up my sleeve that I can't wait to share. So, as we move into a new season of our lives, if you want to feel empowered and supported by like-minded individuals, this is your chance. Reach out to me at banddirectorbootcamp.com or click on the link in our show notes to schedule a 15-minute call. Let's ensure this is the right fit for you, get you signed up, and embark on this wellness journey together. Because together, we rise. And we're back with Dr. Angela Ammerman to find out her final tip that she's sharing today. But don't worry, there's a whole book out there. If you're resonating with this and you're, and you're wanting more specifics, um, she's gonna, her book is out there. She's going to have a full, chock full of books. And can you, before we I have you give our third tip, tell us how we can find your book or you or more of your stuff because it's, it's important information. And maybe, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that want it. So tell us. Oh, I'd love that. Uh, so you can reach me at AngelaAmmerman.com. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, but my book is available on GIAMusic.com. Um, they, I actually have two books out with them. Uh, one is on English language learners, and then the other is brand new on the recruitment and retention. And so we have a full series, um, and I'm actively working on classroom management next. So AngelaAmmerman.com, GIAMusic.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at Music Teacher's Guide if that's your thing. And the title of her book is The Music Teacher's Guide to Recruitment and Retention and chapters by a bunch of other directors in there, too. So, again, you will find something for you, something's going to speak to you, uh, whatever your challenge is. So we've got just a minute or two here to share with us another tip that we can take away today on recruitment and retention. Well, my final tip is is to have a plan. This is so important. I think that we go into recruitment and retention as if, oh, of course people are going to want to join my band because I'm great. Well, of course you are. But if you don't have a plan in place, how are people going to know how great you are? Every single month, I want you to pick one recruitment and retention task to do every single month and really strategize like what months do you need to do what? So for example, one of our teachers, Chris Vaughn, he's a fantastic band director in Tennessee. He makes band t-shirts and band posters for 
like the coaches in his school. And he actually asks them to put them up in their different spaces and to wear them on specific days so that he can show the whole school that like, oh, you know, the basketball coach is a band person. You know, the um, your cool. tennis coach is a total supporter of us and we're a supporter of them. And it's a really cool idea to do. But if you're going to do it, do it and put it on your calendar to make sure it actually happens. So we actually have this growth implementation plan in the book. You can also find it on my website. Um, where you pick, you know, different tasks from a little box and other tasks that maybe you have in mind for recruitment and retention, and you put them into this plan. The beauty of this plan is not only is it great for you to go ahead and check off all of the different recruitment and retention tasks that you have in mind, but you're going to put an estimated enrollment or a projected enrollment for next year. You're going to actually have an enrollment goal. You're going to make a copy of this growth implementation plan. You're going to give it to your art supervisor. You're going to give it to your administrator. You're going to give it to your assistant band director, and you're going to give it to your band booster president. You're going to have all of these people advocating for you to get this stuff done, pouring resources into you and your program so that you can build your program to the greatest heights possible. Um, And then if your program isn't where you want it to be yet, you're going to have support from the inside so that you can stay and build it so that you don't get de-staffed ever, right? This is what we want to do. So that growth implementation plan is going to help you kind of get all of those things together so that you can crush your next year and just like burst out at the seams in your program. What an investment this is, an investment. And once you get that calendar figured out of the recruitment thing each year, it just, it'll be repetitive then and it becomes part of the system. And your students, once you get them in front of the other kids, they'll see that that becomes a thing to work towards. So, it, and that's what builds the camaraderie. And it's, 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 and then yes, it's important that they learn to play the instruments, but ultimately if you can't get them in there and have them stay, none of that other stuff matters. Yes. Actually, I have a session called You Can't Teach Empty Chairs. Oh, (laughs) right. Because it is so true. And and what good are we if we don't have people that we're doing? We're doing all this work, right? What good is it if they're not accepting it, if they're not there to receive that and and then to pour back into us? Because we need that, too. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to get my hands on the whole book and find out what else you have in there. So thank you to Dr. Angela Ammerman for joining us today on this edition of Band Director Bootcamp. And thank you to all of you listeners who are making a difference in kids' lives every day through the music magic of music education. The work you do matters, and so do you. Join us next time on Band Director Bootcamp for another episode of productivity and wellness tips to make your life a little easier. <laughs>